the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tonight, we're talking to Dr. Dan Magus about the favorite subject of ours, COVID. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back again. Well, here we are at the end of November, early December, and uh, we still have COVID to talk about. Uh, Where are we now with regard to uh, vaccinations and breakthrough infections? Well, um, there's two things that are concerning right now. Number one, you you know the new variant that just rose in South Africa and the increase, the gradual increase in the breakthrough hospital uh, uh, infections and hospitalizations that have occurred. Um, At at this date, we've had 72,000 uh, hospitalizations and fully vaccinated individuals, and 20,000 deaths out of the 775,000 deaths in the U.S. to date from COVID. Um, and this is concerning. Um, and uh, does it mean that the, the, the vaccine is useless, uh, that it's not working, uh, or should we still be vaccinated and still take our chances with the, uh, with the uh, vaccine working? Well, it, it still does work, and it still is safe. Um, what we do know that is that because of these breakthrough um, uh, infections, that the CDC has um, declared that even people who are indoors should consider masking themselves, where transmission is high. And transmission as high is defined as 50 cases every day per 100,000 population. The trouble is about 80 to 85 percent of U.S. counties qualify for for easily and high transmission of disease at this point. So breakthrough infections is a risk in just about everybody. There's about 28 states already that are slowly increasing the amounts of um, daily counts of COVID new infections, usually up north as people um, go inside as it gets colder and um, more and more are... um, more and more uh, likely to transmit the disease. And then we found out that, um, uh, that the, vac- the viral uh, culture loads are just as high in those people who are vaccinated who um, get infected as they are in the people um, who are unvaccinated. Again, people are starting to wonder, uh, does this mean that the vaccines are not, worth, are not, not doing their job? Well, the, the bottom line is they really are doing their job. Uh, even though you may have a high viral load, a lot of the virus that you shed, once you're infected and vaccinated, the virus is not viable. You can culture, but it won't grow in culture. You're going to shed the, the virus for a shorter period of time, and anybody who's vaccinated around you is far less likely to get the virus than they would be unlike if they were unvaccinated. And there's two, tri- there's two trials, both in the U.K. and, and the Moderna trial that showed that the uh, that you're uh, two-thirds less likely 
to be a carrier and transmit it if you're vaccinated as opposed to an unvaccinated person exposed to the virus. Um, you're contagious for a shorter period of time and you're less likely to get infected and you're less likely to be seriously ill if you're vaccinated. So it still does give you some definite benefit. There was a study in, I have a, in I have the Netherlands. A question. Uh, before we get to the Netherlands, I have a question with regard to the breakthroughs. Uh, are there some statistics or are you aware of what I picture to be like a chart that talks about breakthrough infections for the different uh, vaccines for the Johnson & Johnson, the Pfizer, or the Moderna? And I don't have the breakdown. Uh, I don't we, have a do breakdown, but, but the... Um, but the, uh, the, uh, the, the breakthrough infection, once you're exposed, has to do with the immune status of the person, the variant you're exposed to, the age, underlying the disease conditions, if you're immunocompromised or not, what vaccine you got, and how long ago was the vaccine given. So all those things make a difference. But, it, but So it's far more than the, the vaccine itself. Do we know who is, uh, well, the, of the people who are fully vaccinated, and I mean with a booster, who are still at risk for breakthrough infections and hospitalization? Well, the ones that are most at, at uh, uh, risk are those people who have immunocompromised conditions and so serious medical conditions. Those people on immunos- serious immunosuppression because of um, uh, organ transplants, because of cancer treatment, because they have serious systemic arthritic problems and need um, heavy uh, immune uh, um, inhibitors uh, that they take once a month uh, intramuscular. Those are the people that are most at risk. The older you are, most of the um, infections um, that are in breakthrough infections in the hospital are in people over 65 years of age. And if you have diabetes, chronic obstructive lung disease, and specifically chronic kidney disease, those three conditions markedly increase your chance of being sick and sicker than you would be even if you're vaccinated um, and you would catch the COVID. Uh, Now, you're still better off with those conditions vaccinated than you would be if you were unvaccinated. Um, Breakthrough infections, for instance, once you're in in the hospital, if you've been vaccinated, you have a 25% chance of uh, getting needing ICU, but a 40% chance if you're unvaccinated. 7% will need a respirator versus 23% using a respirator if they're unvaccinated. And although 6% will die after vaccination, 8% will die if they're not vaccinated. So the vaccine does protect you in giving you less, you're less likely to contract the condition. If you do, you're uh, contagious for a much shorter period of time. You're far less likely to be sick. If you are sick, it's a milder illness. If it's severe, you're less likely to be hospitalized. Or if you're in the hospital, you're less likely to need intensive care respirator and less likely to die. So the uh, the uh, the vaccine does work. It does uh, protect even against the Delta variant. And uh, but after six months, both the Pfizer and the um, and the Moderna run the risk of of, of uh, decreasing the antibodies. We see it more in the Pfizer than we do in Moderna. And the Johnson and Johnson has the lowest protection rate. So. Uh, uh, the, the CDC has recommended boosters for people who had Johnson and Johnson, including immune suppressants 
and in, include and and those people with serious who are old and um, have uh, serious underlying conditions like diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and dia- and COPD. Um, emphasis. You're, you're going to tell us. You're going to tell us something about the Netherlands. Was there something there? Okay. Yeah. It, back in the Netherlands, the vaccination um, uh, it showed that they tr- they they tested transmission routes uh, and and transmission rates. And if you were vaccinated, you could transmit the uh, virus to 13% of your household members. But the unvaccinated uh, tr- uh, transmitted the virus to 22% of household members. So if you're if, so if you're vaccinated and you get the uh, um, the condition, you're less likely to transmit it to people who are close to you, particularly those household members. Pfizer did a similar study, and they found out that the vaccinated people transmitted to 23% of household members, but 49% in those that were unvaccinated. So um, both of them showed that you're far less likely to transmit the disease if the people around you are vaccinated. Um, so it's... A, it, so not only do you, uh, it does protect you not only from people outside the house, but if you have a household member with COVID and you're vaccinated, you're far less likely to contract the, the condition. So another reason why it's worthwhile getting uh, um, getting vaccinated. Now we're finding out in the kids, uh, the children under 11 years old, the, uh, the, the data comes out that uh, the efficacy is somewhere between 95 and 100% efficacy, that they're, they're, they're even more effective, the vaccinations are even more effective in the young children than they are in the adults. Um, the, side, the antibody levels are as high as they are in kids, the children over between the ages of 12 and 18, and the side effects are mild from the vaccine, very similar to the older children. So it's worthwhile giving your children the, um, the, uh, the vaccine. The children, uh, school age children, uh, comprise 25% of our population, and you're never going to get herd immunity unless you get some of them vaccinated. And in September of this year, 25%, 25% of the um, the cases in, uh, in in one cohort uh, in met, uh, showed that they um, they were in children. So. Um, so they're, they're, they're responsible for a, a high number of um, cases of COVID uh, this summer and this fall, especially as they're in, going back to school. And uh, the vaccinations will, will help protect them there. So we're uh, talking to Dr. Dan Magus concerning COVID and what's going on at the end of November, early December 2021, and uh, talking about the vaccinations breakthroughs infections and what's happening with the vaccinations of children. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, Dr. Dan shortly. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We have with us tonight Dr. Daniel Megas talking to us about COVID. Dan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. As, as always, uh, well, for the last year and a half plus, we've been talking about COVID, and it's still with us. Uh, we're talking about vaccination of children. 
Uh, we're now vaccinating children as young as five. How is that working out? Well, um, the, the studies show that um, uh, it's necessary. Um, it, 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 at the end of September of this year, the school-aged children represented 25% of the weekly COVID cases. Uh, albeit they're milder, but there are still some people who get very sick. They comprise anywhere from 1.6 to 4% of hospitalizations. And that rare multi-system inflammatory syndrome that the children get a a month or two after they recover from it uh, can make them very, very sick. There have been several hundred deaths of children in the United States, so it's not a mild disease. The the, uh, vaccine is given a smaller dose, 10 micrograms, and the antibody levels are just as high as they are in the 12 and 18 year olds. Um, the only thing to be concerned about is in the, um, the older children and the young adults, that rare case of myocarditis that follows the vaccination. It is real, but it's only 11 cases per 100,000. So that's one per 10,000, very rare. Um, you're far more likely to get myocarditis if you're a young adult or a child who gets uh, gets the COVID, and uh, so it's your 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 um, your odds are in favor of getting the vaccination. Um, it's if a good some, idea to go, gets, a, go ahead child, and get it. If a child does uh, contract or develop myocarditis, uh, which my understanding is an inflammation of the heart muscle, uh, what kind yes. of treatment is available? Well, what's the treatment uh, well, well, there are there, there are treatments that are available for it. I give them uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, things like that, and they and they usually get over it uh, fairly uh, fairly well. Um, uh, as far as I know, there have been no deaths from it. Um, as far as I know, um, but the uh, everyone has recovered. But uh, but you could be sick from it, and uh, it, it can it can take a month to recover. So it's it's a it's a serious condition to be concerned about. Fortunately, it's very rare, and uh, does occur uh, spontaneously, uh, very infrequently. More commonly, pericarditis, the covering of the heart. But they're both of them related to general viruses that float around in the uh, community, and. Um, uh, there's a small amount of people that get it every year just because they got a, a, a various viral infection uh, c- contracted just 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 by running around the community. I see. I see. Well, well, let's let's change gears a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about COVID-19. Uh, we've been uh, basically experiencing the uh, infections with the Delta variant, and now we have a new variant, the Omicron variant. I think it's Omicron coming from South Omicron, Africa. Omicron, yes, it's uh, and it's Omicron. named after another letter in the Greek alphabet. The WHO named it Omicron. Um, Omicron. It's a condition, yeah, it's a condition that showed up in in Africa, and uh, South Africa, and it was it's um, disconcerting because at, uh, the South Africans had barely it was it was a little over two hundred cases every day. Suddenly, over two weeks, it gradually ballooned to 2,460. I think it was just a couple of days ago in, 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 on Thursday. They had 2,460 cases that day. So the, uh, the cases of um, COVID are rapidly increasing, and 90% of them are this uh, Omicron um, variant. We know that it, uh, they genetically... Uh, checked it out because of the rapid rise, and they found out that it's got over 50 mutations, 
far more mutations than any other variant to date, and 30 of them uh, involved the spike spike protein. So theoretically, since the antibodies that people have from the vaccine or natural infection are all geared to neutralize the uh, spike protein, if the spike protein changes dramatically, that means that this new virus may be a, a game changer. The reason why all these governments are jumping in and, and halting travel back and forth from these areas because as the Delta variant took over India, uh, it took forever for people to discover what was going on there. By the time that we realized that there was a new variant that was more transmissible, the Delta variant had spread throughout the world. It was too late to do a whole traffic. So that's why everybody is jumping in on it right now. But when you have a new variant like this, you ask three questions, Nick. You want Number one, is it more transmissible? Number two, does it cause people more severe disease? And number three, is it resistant to the immunity that's present in the community? Here's what we know so far. The fact that it, it surges so fast in Africa over two weeks is suggestive, doesn't prove, suggestive it's more transmissible. By itself doesn't necessarily mean very much. The, the Delta is spread because it's more transmissible. But there's a beta variant we've had already uh, that's even more transmissible than the Delta, but it's never taken over. It's never spread very far for some reason. The Delta took over for a reason we don't quite understand. So even though this is more transmissible, and even more transmissible maybe than the Delta, does not mean it's going to take over globally. But there's a possibility it might, number one. So we got to be careful. Number two, with all the mutations involved in that spike protein, does it make uh, does it um, respond to the secondary immune uh, response in the body when you're unvaccinated uh, any worse than before? Does it cause more severe disease and does it last longer? We don't know. It'll take several weeks, though, and maybe a couple months before we know the answer to that. And number three, most importantly, since it involves severe mutations to the spike protein, is it resistant to the immunity that people have, either the natural infection to that alpha variant or that, and, that, uh, and the wild-type virus that's, that we, we all were exposed to two years ago? We don't know about that, whether it's going, and is it going to be immune to and resistant to the vaccine antibody levels that we're getting on these recent vaccines? It'll take several weeks and maybe a couple months before we know that, too. Now, the good news is if you do need a new vaccine, you can, we've got the uh, platforms to do it. We have one manufactured in, in, in a month, but it would take months to test people, and we'd hate to have to start back at square one, just like we did two years ago. Theoretically, when you, when you mentioned the... You mentioned the platforms with regard to the manufacture of vaccines. Uh, does this mean that they just need to reprogram the vaccine manufacturer to take care of yeah. the virus with yeah. the yeah. new variant? Yeah, right. And the uh, and, and the nice thing about the platform for the messenger RNAs, it can be uh, reprogrammed almost overnight. Uh, it, it, it can happen that fast. So uh, we can have a new vaccine. But, you know, it, it, even though this potential may be a game changer, we don't know for sure. Um, everybody's uh, jumped in on the act and, and limited travel. As a precaution, we still don't know whether this is a serious variant or not. It, um, 
even if it's more transmissible, does not mean it's necessarily going to take over uh, globally and infect um, everybody over and, uh, over and above the Delta variant. So we'll just have to wait it out and see and keep our fingers crossed. Um, well, but it, it, is a, like it, a, it is a concern. It is a concern. Well, it looks like they're they're jumping on it fairly quickly. That should be of some benefit uh, to trying yeah. to limiting travel. The uh, possibly will limit. Yeah, will limit it to uh, to the countries in southern Africa. And there's seven uh, na- neighboring countries that uh, Senate, uh, President Biden has uh, closed the borders to. Not only South Africa, seven other uh, Botswana, Milwaukee. Namibia, uh, Zimbabwe, um, there, um, there's uh, seven different countries around the area of South Africa that they've uh, also stopped uh, visitations from. So, so we'll see. Uh, well, time will tell. We'll we have sure an idea will. over the next few weeks. Well, In the meantime, I think it's a good point. idea to get your vaccine and get your booster if you need it. Uh, if, uh, if it's a Pfizer, Moderna, uh, you should definitely get a booster if it's over six months. And the, J- J- uh, the CDC has recommended all the people to Johnson & Johnson get a booster because they've had the lowest antibody levels and efficacy of all the vaccines. Um, if you get a booster with your J&J, um, you get a super uh, increase in antibody levels. And you can actually mix and match. You can get a J&J and get a Moderna the second time or vice versa um, if they're not available, if the, uh, the same vaccine well, is not available. The, the, the formal uh, medical advice is get those vaccinations, get fully vaccinated, your two shots plus a booster, and hopefully we'll tamp down and, and bring this to an end. Otherwise, uh, yep. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back next, uh, next month to see what Okay, thank you very today. much. It's a pleasure to be here, Nick. You take care. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. And uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, our returning guest from Cuyahoga County is Nan Baker, a council member of the Cuyahoga County Council, who comes back to tell us what's going on in Cuyahoga County. Nan, as always, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure always to come and give some uh, updates of what we're doing on Cuyahoga County Council for the county as a whole. Yes, well, here we are at the end of the year for 2021, and we'll be starting 2022 uh, with the 2021. Looking, yeah, who would ever think we'd be around for this long? <laughs> looking at 2021, uh, what were the challenges, and what are some of the carryover problems that uh, that the council is still facing at, at this year? What what did you accomplish? Do you think? Well, you know, there it was, uh, you know, a very Challenging year, I guess is the word to say. We've, uh, of course, came into the 2021 from 2020 carryover of the uh, COVID-19 virus. And thankfully, during that time in the first quarter, we had the race to the vaccine. And uh, we had thousands, hundreds of thousands of people uh, making appointments, if you remember, and how difficult it was to 
to get it and to make those contacts and live through all of that, and uh, that is now behind us. Um, we are now, unfortunately, back into a place where we're back to focusing on it again. There was a time in, in the summer that we thought we finally had overcome uh, much of the um, spread. But unfortunately, we're back to that, and uh, that has really consumed a lot of our time in the last couple of months. There is, as you know, this variant called Omicron, and that has been really surging throughout Cuyahoga County. Um, to date, we have 795,000 vaccines in Cuyahoga County that have been taken, and that's about 64.3%. So we are over the 50% mark for vaccinations, which is good. Um, as of uh, Monday today, we have um, 124 hospitalizations, 19 ICUs, and one death. So, you know, we're managing that also, but it has, again, been, been challenging. So I would say, you know, we're moving forward. I'm optimistic about 2022. I think we will get a handle on this. Um, it may leave as, as quickly as it came, where it's really hard to tell. Uh, it's interesting between uh, last year at this time and, and, and now is that uh, it seems that this resurgence of uh, COVID with uh, Delta, the Delta variant as well as uh, with regard to Omicron, it seems like everyone's taking it more in stride than the first time around. Did you see that? So you see maybe, a, if nothing else, a little bit less disruption. Yes, I think a little less disruption um, as far as perhaps the environment around you, shopping and restaurants and, and maybe even in some office environment, although a lot of people are still remote and working. But I think we have a better understanding of it, and I think what we see here for those that are vaccinated, if you do have a breakthrough, it seems to be a milder case, and the threat of hospitalization or even death is uh, not part of that picture. So it is, and even those that are not vaccinated, um, the endurance of being able to overcome it seems to be less uh, fearful. Uh, although I encourage vaccination, I think that's the way we're going to overcome this. But I, I agree. I think that we are not as intense. I think the unknown of not knowing what this is and shutting everything down and everybody going home and no one talking to each other except through uh, electronic ways, that is right. its point, and I don't think we're going back to that. Well, we all got to know, understand, and use Zoom. Uh, who would yes. have thought uh, to get us <laughs> to do thought. that? I but, would uh, never well, you know, throughout 2021, life did go on and things still did happen. For example, I know we were talking earlier this year about Progressive Field. And yes. uh, how, how did that all turn out in the end? Well, they completely um, they received their dollars from the Cuyahoga County Council. So the, the dollars that we put forth that they requested has been done. Um, you know, we went through very intense meetings 
trying to unwrap the negotiations that the executive and the people from the from progressive field put together. But in the end, uh, we did support it. It is something that brings us not only enjoyment and, you know, a, a sense of unity, but also the dollars that it brings to downtown and even the surrounding areas. We, we could not overlook that. So, and we do own the field, progressive field. So we are the, the uh, landlords. Um, and what they were asking for in upgrades uh, of capital improvements were reasonable. So with that, uh, we have we have it. Were all of the constituent contributors, uh, are they all on board now? I'm not sure uh, at the state level. You know, once it leaves us, then it's up to the city council in Cleveland. They had a significant role. I know they've been debating it. Uh, Honestly, I'm not quite sure where they are in the debate. And also the legislature, the governor, uh, asked for $50 uh, million. And that, I'm not sure where that's at either, whether the legislature has approved it. Um, I only know for sure what, what we have done and what we have approved. And if it doesn't, if the other two parties don't uh, agree, then our part of it also doesn't never happen. Is, is Cleveland uh, now online? Um, Cleveland is debating. I'm not sure if they actually officially voted for it yet, to tell you the truth. I know they had a lot of dissension. Um, a lot of questions. I'm not quite sure uh, where they're at in their vote. Well, that, that'll be, be key. Uh, also, another thing that came up in 2021 was the uh, Justice Center and the county yes. jail, which I, I know there's a lot of litigation and uh, a lot of uh, problems with the jail prior to 2021. But mm-hmm. uh, how, how are we leaving the Justice Center and jail as we end the year? Well, there there is a um, steering committee that has been formed to look for a new jail location. And the hope is that it will be close to downtown, but not specifically in downtown. Uh, that would save on the property that we would be purchasing uh, as downtown is very costly. It would be a campus-like um, setting where it would be on one floor, no more than two floors. Uh, the price tag is about $500 million. It could go up if we have to make the jail larger, which there's been some talk of that. Um, right now we're at, oh, I think about 1,500 inmates. We have targeted the new jail to hold about 1,600. So we need to either come up with a way to reduce population um, through bail reform, um, the diversion center has also been uh, a place where we thought could be a, a way not to put inmates in jail. Um, but it's uh, it's still evolving. I would say that 2022, we should have a pretty good idea of where it's going to be located, how much it's going to cost, and how we're going to pay for it. Uh, the lawsuits from 2018 and 2019 are still ongoing. Um, it's been a very difficult time in uh, working through that, but uh, but we are, and you know I hope in 2022 we will finally be able to bring closure to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, at least with regard to the dangers to the inmates uh, at a county jail, hopefully those have been neutralized and stabilized so that yes. uh, we're not having any more people getting injured or, or worse than that, dying. Well, so we have I, a I heard it. Sheriff, Go ahead. Yeah, Sheriff Valand, uh, who is new to the county and we supported in, in hiring, um, has done really a, a very good job in understanding he's an experienced sheriff, um, experienced in law enforcement, and working with people that uh, never want to see those conditions come back again. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that we're on the right course, moving in the right direction. Well, that's, you know, that's a good way to end the year with regard to that topic. We're talking to Nan Baker, a council person on the Cuyahoga County Council, and uh, we just reviewed what was going on and what got accomplished at county government uh, in the year 2021. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Nan Baker. We're going to talk about what uh, she's going to be doing in 2022 already. Hard to believe. We'll take a short mm-hmm. break. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of the Advocate for tonight. Thank you for joining us. We have Nan Baker from the Cuyahoga County Council with us tonight, uh, talking about 2021 and talking about what are the challenges for 2022. Nan, as always, thank you for joining us. And I think during the break, you got some answers with regard to the city of Cleveland and Progressive Field. Yes, I did uh, look up to see just where were we with the city of Cleveland. And yes, they did vote 13 to 3 in favor of the deal. So that now has gone through the county council. It has been passed by the city of Cleveland. And uh, whether the legislature through the governor will allow the funding that he has promised is uh, yet to be seen. So, but the majority well, of the money good. has come through. Yeah. Well, I'll take that as good news because it conjures up images of summertime in Cleveland, yeah. hot dogs and beer and baseball and something mm-hmm. nice for a change to talk about. Right. You but, know, and I will say well, to the listeners that I, I was able to get a family ticket for $80 for a family of four, and 40 of that 80 will go towards food, and that would be on their Sunday game. So I hope they take advantage of that. So that's essentially some quick mathematics. Ten bucks a ticket for a family of four. Yes. Well, that's not bad. You can just hop in the car at the last minute and go down there. Exactly. That's the whole idea, not just making a one-year event, but actually be affordable enough where they can go on a beautiful Sunday afternoon and enjoy the ball game. Boy, we're looking forward to that already. Yeah. But uh, 2022 uh, is already upon us. And uh, from your seat in the county council, what are the challenges that are, will be facing the, the council as we get into the new year? Well, you know, there's a lot of people that are still in need. You know, we uh, I came from Board of Control from this morning. I was downtown. And uh, still passing dollars for seniors, 
uh, for the needs that they have, whether it's in transportation or housing or medical needs. And and for those that uh, are in need of uh, additional food and assistance, there's, a, there's still, from the pandemic, a lot of left, a lot of people that are still left with um, with some very significant challenges, and uh, the of course the um, surge of the virus just exaggerates that, and that is where a lot of our attention is going to be. Uh, we do have the American Rescue Act funding that uh, most cities and counties receive from the federal government and the state. And we have received $240 million over the, and to be used over the next two years. And those are dollars that we have not really used yet, and we'll be talking about first of next year. Where do we need to place those dollars? Under the guideline of the federal government. But the criteria is pretty open, whether it's economic development, whether it's housing assistance, uh, food assistance, health assistance, pretty broad of what we can use it for. Uh, it is one-time money, so we need to be careful not to start any new programs that need to be continued past these two years. But a lot of time will be spent on the American Rescue federal funding that we'll be receiving. All of those are $240 million. People who have not worked in government may not realize what the thought process that people in government have to go through. You have the money, but it's a lot of work, a lot of time, and a lot of consideration as to how to spend that money because you have an obligation to spend it. Get it out there where it can do the most good. Uh, And uh, that's going to be on your plate. Right. That's true, Nick. And, And how often in government do you have an excess of money? I mean, this is really on uncharted territory where you just have $240 million just put right into your budget. Just here it is. This is what you should use it for and uh, make sure that you use it wisely and it's one-time money. There's, uh, it is unprecedented. Uh, outside of the $240 million we received, about $120 million for the CARES Act, which was needed for all the unexpected costs that came in last year with sales tax loss and, and all of that. But this $240 million is a little different. Um, it'll be, I'm sure, fascinating to know how we're going to deliberate and spend these dollars. A um, lot, of course, a lot of organizations are lining up to um, make sure that their voices are heard and that we help people in ways that they think people need help. So it, it will be very involved, very time-consuming, uh, and that will take up a good part of our time next year. It will. Is, uh, for 2022, is there any personal goal or personal project that you want to make sure has the best chance of getting taken care of in 2022? Well, there's, there's two things for me personally. I would like to try and get those that can't qualify for a better paying job to get the resources we need to qualify, and that means if we need to spend dollars to get their skills um, better, their soft skills better, their hands-on skills better, whatever it is that makes it hard for those to get a job and get a good-paying job, I would like to focus on that. 
And outside of that, I would like to also exaggerate and expand our workforce training efforts. Those that are looking and are in jobs that are trained, but they're limited in what they can do. And I would like to see us also try to move that forward. Uh, it is uh, important to have a strong, healthy workforce. And right now we are very um, low in, in that area. It's hard for us to attract young people to downtown and to our jobs, and our companies are feeling that pressure. So workforce training and giving those that need that extra support, perhaps coming out of high school, to get into something that really helps them uh, obtain the skills that they need to launch a career that perhaps they feel is not within their grasp. You know, as you mentioned that, uh, I was thinking we went to a uh, a Wendy's restaurant the other day. The dining room was not open, and mm-hmm. I asked what looked like the manager who was handling the drive-through window, "Is this uh, because of COVID or because of uh, staffing?" And he said, "Staffing." Mm-hmm. So there are apparently, a lot of jobs out there is underemployment a big problem here in the county. Well, underemployment is, I mean, our unemployment rate is not high, and it's been higher in the past, in 2018 and 2019, but I I, I'm, I really don't have my arms around why it is that we have such a lack of uh, employees uh, working for these different organizations like restaurants and hotels, and I know some of these restaurants are closing a couple days a week due to lack of staff, um, special events. Uh, you know, and it could be that people are afraid to come out and work in a place where there's a lot of people. The fear factor could be a part of it. Um, so it's, I think it's a multi-layer problem that we need to get our arms around. Um, but I do think that trying to enhance a person's working ability is also part of it. And uh, with these American Rescue Act dollars, I would like to see some of these dollars spent on that. As I used to say at the State House, it's all about jobs, and I think we're back to that again. It's all about good-paying jobs, and um, we need to do our best to help those that are in need. Well, that seems to be an eternal part of the responsibilities for governments provide that safety net when needed. But uh, we'll be interested in how we can stimulate people to come out and and take the jobs that are available, even if they're temporary, to uh, start getting our services back. And uh, I anticipate COVID still playing a major role in our our group think here in uh, not only Cuyahoga County, but the state of Ohio and and the country, as far as how optimistic we feel about the future. But uh, I'm glad to see things are happening uh, with the County Council all this past year, and look forward to seeing you do more work this year. So thank you for keeping us updated. You're welcome. And, of course, we also passed our budget, so that was a a very long, time-consuming effort, um, making sure that we balance our budget and those needs that are in place are taken care of. Uh, A lot of need out there, Nick. It's, It's really surprising. How much people well, I'll have to get you back on. 
love to get you back on again and talk about that. But uh, okay. Nan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the for the recap of last year and what's going to happen in 2022. Thank you so much. Thank you, and have a have a good uh, good New Year's. You too. Have a good one, and thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back. So in the meantime, stay healthy and be safe. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind for company Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.